Hold on a second. That could be bad. Okay, so the past few weeks we've been doing myths in our culture and how there are certain things that are part of our society that shape our beliefs and our ideas about life. So we've talked about things like iPhones and shopping and how we have such easy access to information and to buy stuff and the number of options that we have at our fingertips. Those things shape, um, shape our life and the way we live, right? So one big part of our culture that we're talking about today is stories or entertainment. And all of these things impact our culture. They impact who we are and how we see the world. So stories have been around forever, and they've, they've always been an everyday part of our life. So it goes m- much further back than just binge-watching a Netflix series on your app, right? First, there's Netflix. Can we turn the slide? I should have gotten the clicker. Sorry. Okay, so that, it goes much further back than that, because before Netflix, then there was the old-fashioned TV with the antenna, And yes, I'm from West Texas, so I say antenna. You can make fun of me. Ben does all the time. I actually had this TV in my room, and you have to, like, barely move the antenna so it'll find the station because you have, like, one of five channels. So then before that comes the radio, a size of a gorilla, apparently. And people would show tell stories over the radio. And I'm talking, like, dramas, superhero shows, comedies. They would tell entire stories. And families would sit around and listen. And then before that, vaudeville, where people would uh, travel around the whole country doing these acts that and people could talk about and tell, retell the stories because they would do the same thing over and over again. And then before that was songs. And people would tell stories through songs, which they still do uh, today. So stories and entertainment have been going around since the beginning. We don't know life without hearing stories, whether it's fact or fictional. And that's a good thing. So imagination and creativity is a gift that we've been given to create other worlds and characters and, and creatures as, as much as you can imagine, from fairies to ogres to Wookiees to Yodas, whatever he is. Um, so it's a, it's a good thing. And any time I ever watch a fantasy movie with my mom, at the end she'll always say, oh, that was believable. Um, actually, that's what she said word for word when I made her go see Twilight with me. Yes, I went to go see Twilight, and I made my mom go with me. And at the end, she was like, oh, that was believable. I was like, well, Mom, it's about vampires. Vampires falling in love with humans. So, no, it's not believable. And it's not supposed to be realistic. Uh, So we have imaginations for a reason. To use them to create these unbelievable worlds and stories, much better than Twilight, but frame them in a way that captivates us and makes us believe in them, and then maybe even teach us something from it. So this is all because we have a creative God who made us in his image. He gave us creativity. He invented creativity. So imagination and stories and fantasy worlds, they're all good. But as we know, we live in a fallen world, and not everything will remain good. So there's almost always aspects of a movie, and sometimes the entire movie, that is um, not glorifying to God. So something we have to ask ourselves as we look at entertainment, because we are surrounded every day, TV, books, movies, YouTube. So how do we remain faithful in a world of entertainment? How do we navigate this? How do we still be a part of culture and enjoy stories and creativity while also glorifying God? So sometimes I think it would be easier if we just lived in the old days where 
you knew they wouldn't put anything inappropriate on there. You could just watch whatever you want. It'd be good old slapstick humor. Um, before I realized, I'm kind of a naive person, so before I realized you really have to read Plugged In if you don't know about that site, I took my grandma to see a movie called Love and Other Drugs. <laughs> have you seen the preview for that? It's, um, <laughs> it's, the guy was a pharmaceutical salesman, so that's what I was like, drugs, he's selling whatever. And, but Anne Hathaway was in it. So I was like, oh, it's just going to be like a grown-up, like Princess Diaries, because Anne Hathaway is so classy. It'll be great. And oh my, it was so awkward. Uh, we walked out. It was rated R. Did I tell you that? That should have been my first clue right there. Um, so that was a fail. But you really have to look into movies these days, because what com- may come across as innocent on the preview uh, may not always be that way in, in the movie. So sadly, we don't live in the prehistoric days where everything was clean and where you could watch anything. We live in the here and now, and we live in this environment where stories and messages are thrown in our face whether we want them to be or whether they're true or not. But we're called to live in this culture and we're called to live faithfully in it. So there's three things we have to consider when we look into stories, and that's the power that stories have. That's the longing that these stories will tap into our hearts. And then the message that the stories tell us. So if we're to remain faithful in a world of entertainment, we have to recognize the power that stories have in our lives. They captivate us. They teach us something about life. They shape our beliefs and the way we see the world. So C.S. Lewis understood that. He understood the power and significance of stories. And that is why he wrote Chronicles of Narnia. He wrote it specifically so that he could tell the gospel story and reach people who didn't want to hear the Sunday church message, but someone who would be captivated by this story and be excited about the idea of a savior and the idea of somebody sacrificing themselves. Stories are always powerful, also powerful because we're surrounded by them. Um, they become a part of who we are. Did you know that the average American spends 12 hours a day on media? So that means phone, computer, TV, Xbox, reading a book, you name it. 12 hours. That's pretty much the entire time that you're awake, right? Minus going to the bathroom and eating. Um, So because we spend so much time reading or watching stories, they shape our perspective on life, our thinking, our desires. The more you read and watch, the more it seeps into your heart and our way of thinking. So, stories can also tap into a longing we have. Stories can be dangerous because there's something so enticing that just sucks us in, right? It hits this desire and longing that we have and makes us crave more and seek to be satisfied. It makes us wish. Oh, I wish I could be an awesome spy and save the world. I wish I could be as cool as Black Panther. I wish I could be as funny and sarcastic as Chandler Bing. I wish I could shoot a bone arrow like Katniss. I wish I could sing like Miranda sings. Just kidding. Have y'all seen Haters Back Off? No? You should watch it. It's pretty ridiculous. So it's always I wish. I wish. I wish. I wish. It makes us want to be something else or be in a different life or live in a different reality. When you're having a hard day, what do you do? You want to go lose yourself in a different story. You want to take yourself out of your reality And you want to lose yourself into a movie or a book or maybe someone else's Instagram story. So stories can also tap into a spiritual longing that we all have that actually points for our desire for the gospel. 
Why do you think people love Avengers? Because we love, besides the fact that they have witty banter and really cool um, superpowers and all that stuff, we love good versus evil. We love to see a world that has been captured by evil and have one person sacrifice themselves to save the entire world and bring it to redemption. Frodo from Lord of the Rings is the same thing. He took it upon himself, carried this evil ring into an evil land, and sacrificed all he had to be able to save Middle Earth. Or what about Star Wars, where there's a young person that we can relate to who starts from nothing then rises up and becomes awesome and saves the galaxy. Or Cinderella. Um, Cinderella, who lives as a servant, ends up marrying the prince. Spoiler alert. Um, But she was humbled and she was exalted. Then became exalted. And her sisters, or stepsisters, were exalted and then they became humbled. So that in Christian theology, that's called the great reversal so we love these stories because we love the victory. We love good overcoming evil, the good person overcoming the odds and winning, and we want them to be true. And a lot of times in stories, you can find truth in them, but we can also fall for the lies and that, that stories tell as well. There's an interesting quote from a guy named Julian Barnes, who was an atheist. He said he didn't believe in God, but that he misses God. So how does an atheist miss God? He thought Christianity was all a lie, But yet he was still captivated by the compelling story of Jesus. So this is what he says about Christianity. It lasted also because it was a beautiful lie between good and evil, made up a great novel. The story of Jesus' high-minded mission, facing down the oppressor, persecution, betrayal, execution, resurrection, is the perfect example of that formula Hollywood famously and furiously seeks, a tragedy with a happy ending. So he found the story of the gospel so captivating that he wanted it to be true. So even people who deny God are searching for this deep truth that they want to believe in. So with stories, there's also a message. Um, There's always a point that they're getting across, whether it's truth or not. Um, But stories are not always truthful, right? Most of the times we can find truth in good, but there's also lies amongst it. So we have to recognize messages in the message, the message in the story for what it is, whether it's truth or not. So here's some common lies that we see in stories. So false expectations. So shows will tap into this longing that we want to feel beautiful or loved or wanted or feel part of a bigger story. Whatever it might be, it makes us envy something that may not even be real. The world doesn't work like it does in movies, right? There's so many shows that we'll see where people get to just sleep around or do whatever they want, no strings attached, and it doesn't affect anything in their life unless it's a show about teen pregnancy. But people cannot function emotionally and spiritually be okay with that kind of lifestyle. Then there's false ideas about beauty. So besides the fact that CGI can change everything and make anyone beautiful, those people are literally paid to look like that. If I was offered a million dollars to lose 20 pounds and gain some abs, I would probably look like that too. So, false theology, the big one. So here's some famous quotes that you've probably heard from movies that we hear. Um, You Complete Me by Tom Hanks when he's telling Renee Zellweger how much he loves him. She completes him. If Ben completed me, we'd be a very sad picture. Um, Another one from Love Story. 
Love means never having to say you're sorry. Please. So you never have to apologize for something you did. Is that because you don't do anything wrong or because you're too prideful to apologize? Why don't you tell me how that, try that in marriage and then you tell me how that goes for you. So a lot of times we'll also see in shows people will work hard enough to get what they want and gain their happiness. And while the message of hard work and determination is a good thing, we should work hard. But we know that anything that we are given that's of lasting worth, that gives lasting joy, is given to us. It's not something we can earn. And then have you seen the movie Pleasantville? Y'all seen that? Yeah? It's kind of old. Okay, I'm not that old. So it's um, these two teenagers... It's weird to imagine uh, Reese Witherspoon as a teenager, but they get sucked into this TV and into this TV show called Pleasantville, and it's set in the 50s, and the world is very wholesome and rule-following, very strict, modest, narrow-minded, no breaking free from the rules. It's in black and white. And then when people in the show or the movie start sinning, they start breaking free from the rules, that's when their life starts to have color and they turn into color. So that's when they start to have meaning and happiness in their life. So the movie's overall message is teaching them that by sinning, you're finally breaking free and gaining freedom and that morality is oppressive. And then even Disney movies like to throw in certain messages. So y'all have seen Frozen, right? I basically have it word for word memorized because it's Riley's favorite movie. Um... But even they have messages in there. Of course, they have, like, the feminism, girl power, you know, you can rule this kingdom by yourself, don't marry a man you just met, which, um, you know, I'm okay with Riley hearing that she shouldn't marry a man after singing one song with him. Um, But in the troll song, there's this one line that says, I'm not not saying you can change him because people don't really change. Well, I think people change all the time. And I think their situations and their life circumstances shape who they become. And then, of course, with Christ, Christ can change you in ways that you can't even imagine. So kids shows are already, these kids shows are already forming the way that Riley is thinking and will respond to the world. So I know I pointed out a lot of lies that we see. But when you look at shows, you can usually find good truth mixed in. So being able to see both is a powerful tool that we can use in understanding the culture we live in because they show what our culture values and finds important. So modern family is just one example that we have that shows how culture values diversity and praises any lifestyle that you are drawn to. So, But one movie that I think is a really great example is Greatest Showman. Y'all seen that? It's amazing. Um, So we're going to listen to the song, This Is Me which is incredible, and it actually won Best Original Song, so it's very popular. Um, But I want you to read the words as you listen to it. Okay, y'all can play it. I am not a stranger to the dark Hide away They say, cause we don't want your broken parts I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars Run away, they say, no one will love you as you are But I won't let them break me down to dust I know that there's a place for us For we are glorious When the sharpest words 
gonna cut me down I'm gonna send a blood, gonna drown him out I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be This is me, look out cause here I come And I'm marching on to the beat I drum I'm not scared to be seen, I make no apologies Good song, right? Okay, so that kind of sums up the whole movie, if y'all have seen the movie. It's all about being comfortable in your own skin, not being ashamed of the way you are, being, being who you were born to be, believing in yourself, standing up for who you are. I make no apologies for the way I am. So there's a lot of great stuff in there. Those are good. And a lot of what our culture pushes now is individuality and diversity and going against the odds. And those are great because we should be comfortable in our own skin. You should be happy the way that God made you because God did create us all equal and all different and unique with different gifts and talents for different purposes. But we all, all also are born sinners, are we not? We all have different struggles that through Christ we can overcome. 
So being who you were born to be, or you do you, that's great, but that can easily turn into you live to yourself. You do what you want. You make your own rules. You be whatever you think is right. You follow your heart. Be your own God. So we can see what our culture cares about through the movies and shows that are popular. And while sometimes it might have a right message, it can easily be twisted into living to yourself, living to your own sin, and, and everybody should be okay with that. So if we're supposed to live in this world and be a part of culture, how do we be faithful? So there's two extremes that Christians can take when it comes to watching movies. Uh, there's the lie detector Christian who looks at any story to see the message and decide if it's true or false and maybe even feel guilty for just spending the time watching the movie. But this person can reduce the movie down to just the message only, and in doing so, you can't have conversations or common ground with someone on movies that you've seen. So it can miss an opportunity to see what the culture's values because you're just focused on this one negative thing so you don't watch anything. But then there's the complimentary Christian who sees watching shows as harmless. They think that if you can tell what's false in a story, then it doesn't matter. You can watch it. And I would bet most of us probably fall in that. I know I can sometimes lean this way. Because we think, oh, it doesn't bother me, so it's probably okay. Or, oh, I can watch that because I know I'd never really do that in real life. Um, But we forget how much stories affect us at a heart level and how it can seep into our thinking and what we believe about cultural ideals. I can't talk this morning. So... Also, claiming that you have a high tolerance isn't something worth bragging about. Trevin Wax said this, that it's like bragging about having deadened senses. Desensitization is not a sign of spiritual progress, but of sensual dullness. Do not confuse the ability to be unfazed by depictions of sin with spiritual maturity. So this is convicting for me, and I hope it is for you too. When I went to college, I moved out of my little Christian home bubble and went to a big public school. Hook'em horns, and which nobody cares about here because you all go to A&M, right? Okay, it's okay. Um, so I was surrounded by people who cussed more, and it just kind of became second nature. I just kind of drowned it out. But now in movies, t- language doesn't really bother me unless it's in every single sentence. Um, but isn't that sad, really? Because if my mind is set on Christ, if that is, if I'm set on what is holy and right and good, then shouldn't I be bothered by that? Shouldn't I be bothered by someone that uses God's name in vain? You've heard the saying, you are what you eat, right? So if you eat a cheeseburger and a milkshake every day, you're probably going to gain fat, not muscle. Um, well, maybe not you guys, because high school is great. That was actually my diet in high school. But wait till you hit 25, and then what you eat will matter, and it will make you feel bad if you eat bad food, and it will affect your health. But the same goes for stories. There's a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson that says, man becomes what he thinks about all day long. So when you put your mind, or what you put in your mind does have an effect on you. If you fill your head with all this negative garbage, then that's what's going to penetrate your heart, and that's what's naturally going to come back out. So if you've ever noticed, you, or have you ever noticed, if you're hanging out with this one person who cusses all the time, don't you kind of want to start naturally cussing too? It affects what you see and hear every day affects you. There's a quote, again, from Trub and Wax. says, if you think there's no problem in watching a film whose overall message you approve, even though you have to sift through buckets of moral filth to get the message, you're minimizing the effect of how a story is told. 
Faithfulness requires us to see the world's longings and lies in light of the gospel. Do you know that stories in the Bible are full of sin and bad choices, prostitutes, murder, adultery, rape? But sin in the Bible is always presented as sin, not as another option, not as just a lifestyle choice that you are following your heart. Bible presents sin in order to lead us to redemption and move us to righteousness. And Bible uses sin in stories to make a point and help us understand grace and repentance. There's actually an entire psalm um, that gives a pretty vivid image about a man who is pursuing this prostitute and following his own desires only to find that it comes up fruitless and how unsatisfying it is. So the psalm makes us aware how tempting and beautiful sin might be, but in the end it comes up short. And it's just meaningless. So like I mentioned, we're called to live in this culture. So we should be educated and understand and relate to the people we're surrounded by. So we can act redemptively with, our, with common ground of shows that you've seen together and use it as a tool to share the gospel and point people to Jesus. But it's not about cutting out all entertainment. And it's not about watching everything so that you can fit in. We have to be able to look at shows with the gospel in mind. So whatever we do should be done to glorify God. But of course, there's always the obvious movies that we should never watch, even if you want to connect with culture, right? I don't need to watch Fifty Shades of Grey to know that our culture idealizes sex. Um, when it comes to shows that are neither overtly bad or, neither, or strictly Christian, we have to rely on our relationship with God and the Holy Spirit's guidance in our decisions. So here's some questions that you can ask yourself. Will this make me struggle with lust or jealousy or coveting? Will this put images in my head that shouldn't be there? Do I have to justify why I'm watching this? Could I watch this with my mom in the room? Thanks. Will this help me understand the culture? Are there any redeeming factors in this story, or is it all garbage? Can I watch this with a clear conscience? Is this glorifying to God? 1 Corinthians 10.23 says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So there's a lot of movies that might just be PG-13, but that doesn't mean that all of them are beneficial for us to watch. There may be movies that are okay, but maybe it has that one thing that makes you struggle. Or maybe you're okay with watching this show, but your friend really doesn't feel comfortable with it. Then you have to respect that. As we grow in our relationship with God and we pursue him first and foremost, then it's easier to answer those questions and know what is unhealthy for us to watch. Something else to consider is Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So if our sights are set on Jesus, then he will give us discernment when it comes to what we feel like we can watch. And also it says there's a cloud of witnesses because people will watch you, and they watch your actions and your choices that you're making. So does the way you live your life match up with what you claim to believe? The biggest help in all of this, though, is having an understanding of the gospel. So we need to know the gospel so well that we can see through the lies and know when it's not healthy for us to watch. Let's read Psalm 119, uh, verse 9. It says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. 
Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all the riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight on your, in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So the writer is so eager to know God, to know his law, and to know the truth. Verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So he understands that the way to not sin or the way to know what to do in situations is to have God's word stored up in his heart, to have it so embedded and know it so well that it just flows out. And that makes me feel guilty because scripture is not something that just flows out of my everyday talk. It's not usually something that comes first to mind. I don't just quote Leviticus. But if I said, oh, look what you made me do, look what you made me do, or if I said, baby, I was born this way, you would probably know what songs I'm saying, thinking, saying, and you would probably sing the rest of it in your head, right? But if you know songs and movie quotes better than scripture, then maybe you need to analyze whom you love more, what is closer to your heart, the world or is God? And I'm talking to myself here, too. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, I appeal, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that the, by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Can you imagine how different things would be if we knew scriptures so well that it was just a natural part of our everyday life? So maybe quoting Leviticus isn't as necessary. But having God's word in my heart means that my reaction to things are going to change. Maybe a little less sarcasm. Maybe a little less rudeness to the people you're closest to, right? Your mom, probably. But if I knew scripture, like I know Pride and Prejudice, one of my favorite movies, then the gray areas that I encounter in life are going to be so much clearer. It'd be so much easier to catch when something's wrong or something's off or whether I should or shouldn't do something. Because the Holy Spirit convicts us in those times. If you've ever had a moment of doubt, it's probably the Holy Spirit telling you not to do it. So the more you know God's word, the more you know the gospel, the more it is within your, deep within your heart, and the more you understand how to navigate living in the culture today. So my hope is not that you will only watch Kirk Cameron films now, but that by pursuing an active relationship with God daily, can help you decipher what shows to watch and what is glorifying to God and how to relate to the culture. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we can do some discussion. You only have, like, five more minutes. I'm going to pray first. God, I thank you so much for uh, for this series that we're doing, Lord, that we can talk about um, these hard topics, Lord, that we're surrounded with every day. Um, And movies and stories are one of them, God, because... We want, to, we want to enjoy it. We want to experience the creativity, Lord, but we also want to glorify you. And I pray that we can uh, learn how to navigate that and f- mostly just um, grow closer to you in our relationship. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.